Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, I told you a minute ago, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. We abbreviate our worship set just a little bit right there. If you're a guest, normally we would sing a little bit more right there, but we got some exciting stuff to get to, and so we kind of move things along just a little bit on this Sunday, but I love this Sunday because of what we're going to be celebrating in just a moment as a family of faith, and this week our media team put together a picture that I want to put up on the screen, and I so loved this picture. As you look up here at this picture, I want you to just just take a moment, kind of catch some of these faces, because I want you to think about some of the things that you see up here. When you look up at this picture, let me tell you some of the diversity that you see. On this screen, there are former Muslims, there are former Mormons, there are former drug addicts, there are uh, moms and students and people that used to just be in church, religious, all that's represented in the diversity that you see on this screen in front of you. But, but let me tell you what these people all have in common. They have all that that makes them different. Let me tell you what they all have in common. They have all experienced the life-changing power of the gospel. Amen? Now, last weekend, last weekend we talked about the power of the gospel, that, that through the death of Jesus... We have experienced the power of forgiveness, and through the resurrection of Jesus, we get to experience the power of his life. All of those people that you just saw on that screen have all experienced that, the power of the forgiveness of God that's available in Christ, and now the new resurrection power of the life of Christ in them. So they've all experienced the life-changing power of the gospel. Let me tell you the second thing they have all, all have in common. Through baptism... They have all declared that they are not ashamed of the gospel. They made a bold declaration that they are not ashamed of the gospel. Remember the verse we looked at last weekend on Easter? Here's what it said, Romans 1.16. For I am not, what? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Baptism is a public celebration testifying that I am a Jesus follower. And when people get baptized, they are shouting, unashamed. That's what they're shouting. I am unashamed of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And in every one of our services today, we are going to get to celebrate people that have given their lives to Christ, who are now making that bold public declaration that I am not ashamed of the gospel. Many of you in this room have already done that in your life. You've become a follower of Christ. And at a point in time, you followed him in baptism and you made that public testimony that you are not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to get to see a lot of people do that today. Uh, the last word I heard was that we had about 90 people that were already signed up today to be baptized. And that's the ones that came knowing they were going to do it. There's some of you that didn't know, but by the time I'm done, you're going to be there. All right. So just, just hang on with us for a minute. I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 8, one of my favorite baptism stories in all of the New Testament. I love this story. It's so fascinating. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25. It says, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. Now, who were they? Who, what are we jumping in the middle of here? Where the they here is Peter and John. Peter and John had been sent to Samaria where Philip was preaching the gospel, another one of the 12 disciples. And Philip was preaching the gospel in Samaria in, a, in such a way the Holy Spirit was so moving that revival had broken out in Samaria and many people were coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the church in Jerusalem said, hey, we need to go check this out and make sure this is really what we think it is. So Peter and John came to check it out. So it says, now they're starting back to Jerusalem, and even they were preaching the gospel now to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Now, sometimes the Lord moves in our lives in such a way that doesn't necessarily make sense to us. Here's Philip in the middle of a revival. He's preaching the gospel. Samaritans by the thousands are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There's such a move of God happening that the church in Jerusalem said, we got to go check this out. And then God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out to a place where there's nobody. Didn't make a lot of sense. Look what it says next. Verse 27. So we got up and went. May that be our testimony. That when the Lord speaks, whether it makes sense or not, we get up and go. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So here's what's happening. There's this man who is a leader in the court of the queen of Ethiopia, and for some reason he had come to Jerusalem, and while he was there, he had worshiped in Jerusalem. And verse 28, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So here's what happened. He went to the church there in Jerusalem. He worshiped with them. And when he left, they gave him a gift bag and inside of it had a copy of the <laughs> book of Isaiah. How else did he get one, right? They gave him one. 
Verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? Now, if you really caught what we just read, you'd have chuckled a little bit. All right, here's this chariot rolling through the desert with nobody around them. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah in the chariot. And all of a sudden, this guy comes running up (laughs) beside the chariot. And he's just running along with him, listening to him read. Hey, Philip was apparently in good shape because he's running and talking at the same time. Hey, you understand what you're reading? That's what we just read, and that's what's happening here. You know how, how silly Philip must have felt? Verse 31, and he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Man, the sovereignty of God is all over this passage of Scripture. Verse 32, now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip, I love this, opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He started right there in the book of Isaiah, and he walked him all the way up to what had just happened a few weeks earlier in Jerusalem, where Jesus had been crucified on a cross for our sins. And then Philip said, hey, but he didn't just die. He rose again from the dead. And let me tell you how I know that. I saw him with my own eyes. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he began to explain to him the gospel and how this eunuch could give his life to Christ and surrender himself in faith and be born again into relationship with God. And look what verse 36 says. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? This eunuch in his heart had surrendered the control of his life to Christ. And here's what's interesting. This is the first for sure recorded believer on the entire continent of Africa. First one we know of for sure right here. The beginning of the gospel on the continent of Africa happened right here. Now, Philip could have argued with God and said, God, I'm in the middle of a revival here. But by obeying the Spirit of the Lord, he got in on the gospel going to a continent that had never been to before. But that question is an interesting question. What prevents me The word prevents is a word that means to keep me back, to hold me back. This Ethiopian was basically saying, Philip, I believe everything you've said. I'm ready to give my life. What's keeping me from being baptized? And that's a question I want us to think about this morning. What, What prevents me? What would prevent you today from being baptized? Well, I want to begin to answer that question by telling you about two groups of people who are here this morning who do not need to get baptized. Okay? So I want you to listen carefully. 
There are two groups of people in this room. You do not need to get baptized today. Here's the first group. People who do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there is absolutely no reason for you today to get baptized. Because baptism is meaningless without a relationship with Jesus. It's meaningless. There's nothing mystical or magical or spiritual about the water. The water in the baptistry is the same water that would fill your sink or tub at home. Nothing mystical or magical about the water. It's just good old Clark County water. That's what it is. There's nothing about getting in that pool that is anything spiritual or supernatural apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, baptism, the best illustration I've ever heard is like this ring on my finger. When you see this ring on my left wedding finger, what does it tell you about me that I'm what? I'm married, right? That's what we call a wedding ring, right? Now, I can take (coughs) this ring off and lay it right there. Does that mean I'm single? No, because this is just a what? It's a symbol, right? A single person could take this ring and put it on. Does that make them married? No, because this is just a what? It's a symbol, but it's a very important symbol because it's a symbol that gives a public testimony about a relationship that is in my life. When other people see this ring, they know that I have committed my life to a person. I have a wife. We are in a loving relationship. This is a public declaration that says, I am not ashamed of this loving relationship that God has given me in my life with my wife. Baptism is just like that. Baptism is putting on your wedding ring spiritually. It is a public testimony. Listen, without the relationship, it's meaningless. It's like being single and wearing a wedding ring. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't give you a relationship. Baptism, but once you have the relationship, is a public declaration that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I am not ashamed of it. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, what you need is not baptism. What you need is Jesus. Baptism will not change your life, but listen to me. Jesus Christ will change your life from the inside out. All those people that are clapping right now, let me tell you why they're clapping. Because they met him and they know that Jesus can change you from the inside out. It doesn't mean that I become perfect. It means that God's at work in me, working through me, conforming me to the image of his son. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you do not need to get baptized. You need to give. That's why the Bible said that Philip, starting in Isaiah, preached Jesus to him, not baptism to him. He preached Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you do not need to get baptized today. You need to come to know Christ today. Let me tell you a second group of people here today that don't need to get baptized. People who have already been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus. If you're here today and you have already been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus, you do not need to get baptized. 
Baptism is not something that we do over and over and over again for a spiritual pick-me-up, all right? That's not what it is. Baptism is a public, defining moment when I say in front of God and everybody, I am unashamed of my relationship with Jesus. It's a public, defining moment. But there's an important phrase in that statement, according to the teachings of Jesus. What does it mean to be baptized according to the teachings of Jesus? Well, at Hope, we believe that there are three components to what Jesus gave us in the Scripture that constitutes real biblical baptism. Let me give them to you. Number one, it's after salvation. Baptism after salvation. The only baptism in the New Testament, listen carefully, the only baptism in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus is a baptism of believers. There's no debate about that. There's no uh, discussion to be had. It's a simple biblical reality. If you read the, the Bible... Past the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the only baptism that happened was baptism of believers who had given their lives to Christ. Now, we always emphasize this because in the culture that we live in in North America, there are a lot of different denominations of, of Christianity and a lot of different teachings on baptism. But at Hope, we only have one rule of faith and practice. And that one rule of faith and practice is what does the Bible teach doesn't matter what the tradition of a church is. Doesn't matter what the passed down traditions are. What does the Bible teach? And in the Bible, there's only one baptism after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it is a baptism of believers after salvation. Here's the second phrase that defines what baptism according to the teachings of Jesus is by immersion. By immersion. Wayne Grudem is one of the leading theologians in the United States of America. He has written a systematic theology that, in my opinion, is probably the best systematic theology work ever written. It's sold over half a million copies all over the world. It's the single theological volume that we require everybody that goes through our process of being set apart for ministry at Hope. We require that they read Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. It is a phenomenal work on theology. Listen to what Wayne Grudem said about baptism. The practice of baptism in the New Testament was carried out in one way. The person being baptized was immersed or put completely under the water and then brought back up again. That's what baptism is. It's baptism after salvation by immersion. And there are two reasons I think this is important. Number one is the meaning of the word. When we say the word baptism, say that word out loud. Baptism. baptism. Did you know that's not a Baptist word? It's not a Presbyterian word? It's not a Catholic word? It's not a Lutheran word? It's not a Methodist word? You know what kind of word it is? It's a Greek word. It's a word from the Greek language. The word is the word baptizo. When the translators of the New Testament in 1611 put the King James translation together, 
there was already so much diversity when it came to how we baptize. Rather than translating the word, they transliterated the word and created an English word, baptism, so that you and I could just determine for ourselves what it meant to us. But the real word is a Greek word, the word baptizo, and the word baptizo literally means this, to immerse, to dip, or to plunge. Meaning everywhere you see the word baptism in the New Testament, if they literally translated the word, it would say immerse, dip, or plunge. But we didn't. We transliterated it and created an English word, baptism. The word that was used in the Greek language, baptizo, had two very common usages. If there was a ship in the ocean or the sea that sank, they would say, that ship has been baptized. It's been submerged. It's been plunged. It's been immersed. The other common usage of the word baptizo in Greek culture was if they had a, an article of clothing that they were going to dye a different color. To change the color of that clothing, they would immerse it into whatever the, the color of the dye that they were changing the color to, they would immerse it, and then they would bring it back up out of the water. And they would say, we have baptized. Now, we hear that, and it sounds weird, because baptism is a churchy, religious word. But in their day, it was not a churchy, religious word. It was just a normal, everyday Greek word. We baptized it. We baptized that document, or that, 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 that garment. We, we put it down in, and we changed the color of that garment. Those were two common expressions. So, so the word baptism literally means to immerse, to dip, or to plunge. That's what the word means. So we believe at hope that to be baptized according to the teachings of Jesus is after salvation by immersion. Now, what happened is since the New Testament, other modes and methods of baptism began to be practiced based on extreme situations. For example, there were some situations where there wasn't much water and they would, they would do pouring or sprinkling or other things to accommodate for the fact that they didn't have water or there were health situations where somebody couldn't get down into water and so the church created these other ways. And over time, those new add-ons became regular practices and customs of the church that they passed down. But originally, the real word meant to immerse, dip, or plunge. And so at Hope, our conviction is... If we have the opportunity to do exactly what Jesus said, then we should do exactly what Jesus said because of the meaning of the word. There's a second reason. Because of the message that's being communicated. Did you know that the very first time you share the gospel as a new believer is when you get baptized? Baptism is your public testimony of the gospel. Let me show it to you. Look on the screen at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Look what it says. Therefore... We have been buried with him through baptism in the death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Do you see the picture? 
In baptism, there's a picture of our being buried with Christ. His death is our death. When Christ died, he died for us. We go down into the water, what? As a picture of his death, of us dying with him. Christ died in our place, but we don't leave them under the water. Amen? We bring them back up out of the water. Why? As a picture that Christ now lives in them, and now we get to walk in the new. Now, it doesn't happen in the water. It happened at the moment of salvation, but the baptism of water is an opportunity for me to proclaim the gospel that in Christ I have been forgiven in his death and now I've been raised to walk in the newness of life in Christ. All of that is communicated in the gospel. So after salvation by immersion, here's the third phrase, in fellowship. In fellowship with a community of believers. You see, baptism wasn't given to individuals, it was given to the church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41 on the screen. So then those who had received his word were, say it out loud, baptized. And that day there were, say it out loud, added about 3,000 souls. The word added means to join together with. The Bible says at baptism, you are joined together with something or someone. What is it? Well, we know it's not the spiritual family of God because at the moment of conversion, the moment we're born again, we're born again into the spiritual family of God. What happens at baptism is an identification with the local community of believers that we call the church. That's why in parts of the world where persecution takes place, they don't care what you do in private praying to receive Jesus. They just don't want you getting publicly baptized because you're making a statement at baptism that I belong to the family of God, the visible expression of God's family, which is the local church. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you do not need to get baptized. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you've already been baptized, After salvation, by immersion, in fellowship with a group of believers, you don't need to be baptized. So here's the point I want to make. If, I want to put it up on the screen. If you are not in one of those two groups, today, You need to be baptized. Some of you thought you got nervous when Teddy walked down to dance with some people. (laughs) Made me nervous. Let me say it another way. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you have not been baptized, After salvation, by immersion, in fellowship with a local community of believers, today you need to be baptized. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, I didn't didn't come prepared for that. I didn't bring any clothes. I'm not ready. Don't worry about that. We went to Walmart. We got you covered. We got clothes, we got hair dryers, we got deodorant, we got everything you need to look and smell just like you look and smell right now. So we got all of it. Now when we hear that, 
sometimes we start coming up with excuses, right? The, what was the question? What prevents me? What would hold me back? What would hold me back? Well, let me give you the three most common excuses people give for not being baptized. Number one is, I'm not ready. Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I know I need to, but I'm just, I'm not ready yet. Can I just say to you, that's a foreign concept in the New Testament. Nobody in the New Testament said, I'm giving my life to Jesus, but I'm not ready for that yet. As a matter of fact, they got baptized, some of them, so soon after they gave their lives to Christ that there became some heresy out of that. People thought maybe baptism even meant salvation because it happened so quickly after they gave their lives to Christ. Can I finish that sentence for you? And I don't mean this to be harsh. I'm just trying to be honest. Here's what you're really saying. I'm not ready to obey Jesus. Because I want you to think about what we're saying. Baptism is the first step of obedience after I've surrendered. Here's what we're saying. Yes, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. And the very first thing he calls us to is public baptism. I'm not ready for that yet. The statement that's up there, I'm not ready, usually is followed by this statement. I'm praying about the hat. Can I, can I let you in on some uh, real understanding? And this is true. When God's word is clear, you don't have to pray about it. And that's across the board. When God is specific in his word, I don't have to pray about that. What's he going to say? I've already told you that in the book. What are you asking me for? It's clear. Another excuse people give. I'm afraid of blank. You fill in the blank. But fear. Sometimes people say, I'm afraid of what people are going to think. <clears throat> because some of you are here, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a number of years. And just this morning, you've realized you've never been baptized according to the teaching of Jesus. And you're like, what, what are people going to think? Listen, that was my testimony. I came to Christ as a freshman in college. I'd been baptized when I was a child. But as a freshman in college, I was born again into relationship with God. A year later, I surrendered to ministry, began to serve as a pastor in a church. And five years after walking with the Lord, five years after being in ministry and being on staff at a church and preaching sermons, God convicted me. And I had to get up in front of our church and say, as your pastor today, I need to get baptized. Because I've never been baptized according. Listen, I was nervous about what people were going to think. But you know what happened when I did that? About 60 other people in our church followed and all got baptized because they realized it was okay to just obey Jesus. Some people say, I'm afraid of not measuring up. Pastor, I can't get baptized. I'm just afraid I, I, I can't live the Christian life. Listen, if you wait till you get to get baptized so you think you can live the Christian life, you're never getting baptized. That's like saying we're going to have kids when we can afford it, right? You know what that means? You're not ever having kids. Some people say, I'm afraid of doing things in public or I'm afraid of water. Let me show you what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. It's the word for fear. Listen to what it said. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here's what that means. Fear 
If fear is my obstacle, that's not of God. Because God doesn't give us that. That's of my flesh. God doesn't give us a spirit of humility, but what? Of power and love and discipline. Then look what he said next. Paul wasn't writing this about baptism, but think of the application here. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Don't be ashamed. Get baptized and say, I'm unashamed. It's the third excuse a lot of people give, and it's this one. I don't understand why it's a big deal. I don't understand why it's a big deal. For 11 weekends, we have taught you the principles of what we call the life of a Jesus follower. And we've said that following Jesus is all about relationships. First and foremost, it's about a relationship with God. Secondly, it's about a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And third, it's about a relationship with people that don't know God at all. You know what baptism is? It's a public celebration of all of that. Baptism publicly says to everybody else, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. Baptism publicly says, I belong to the family of God and I'm not ashamed of it. And baptism publicly declares the gospel through the act of baptism to those that don't know Jesus at all. All of being a Jesus follower is celebrated in that public defining moment of baptism. And if all that's not enough, it's the first command Jesus gave us to follow. It's a big deal. So are you ready? Because we're about to baptize. Some of you came today knowing you were in. Some of you came today not knowing, but now you know you're in. So here's what's about to happen. We're about to have a moment of worship. I'm going to ask our team to go ahead and come and get in place. We're going to worship God together. And as we worship, first of all, if you don't know Jesus today, we're going to have some pastors along the front here. If you don't know Jesus today, you've never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you while we're standing and singing, you come to one of these pastors and say, I need Jesus today. And they'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. Or if if you're here today and... You have a burden, a situation in your job, your health, your family, and you just want one of our pastors to pray for you. While we're worshiping, you come to one of these pastors. They'd be honored to pray over you and for you today. We're also going to have some of our Next Steps volunteers out in the lobbies. The Next Steps volunteers, stand up over that shirt on. Let them see it. Step up here on the step. Let me, let me show them what you got on. I'm going to put you on the spot. Either one of you. Here's the Next Steps volunteer shirt, all right? When, when, I, when we begin to sing in just a moment, out in the lobbies, there are going to be people with these shirts on just like this. Thanks for letting me use you this morning. When we stand to sing, if you're here today and you've realized you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never been baptized after salvation by immersion in fellowship with a local church, when we stand to sing, I don't want you to come here to one of our pastors. I want you to go that way to the lobby to one of those Next Steps volunteers and say, I need to be baptized today. And they're going to have a conversation with you for just a moment about your relationship with Jesus. And then we'll get you the clothes and whatever else you need, towels, we got all that. 
for you to be baptized today. This is going to be an exciting day as we celebrate baptism together. We're going to throw a party out there. We're going to have food. We're going to baptize. We're going to have music. It's going to be a lot of fun outdoors, all right? But we're going to do this together as a family of faith. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to stand and sing. And listen, let me tell you one other reason I love today. Because I don't, because the way our services are scheduled, the way we do baptism, I don't often get to do the baptizing. But on today, I'm going out there. So I'm going to meet you out there, and I'm going to get to do the baptizing all day long today. So if you're here, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you've never been baptized after salvation by immersion in fellowship, I want you to go back there to one of those Next Steps volunteers and say, I need to be baptized today. If what I'm telling you to do is clear, say amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, baptism's not what you need. Jesus is what you need. You come talk to one of these men about Jesus. We'll have somebody explain to you how you can follow him. Then we'll talk about baptism, all right? But Jesus is what you need.